Hi everyone, it's Eli here today and I am super excited to be coming back with another episode as part of Genrise Media's podcast. So today's episode is going to be about something that is really important not only to me, not only to a lot of other people, but has a really important role in today's society. So I'm going to be talking about implicit bias and stereotypes in our everyday lives. Basically, what is implicit bias? What are stereotypes? How are they important? And how do they play a role in our lives, as well as real-life examples? This is a crucial topic, and it's really important to educate yourself. So without further ado, let's get started. Whether we realize it or not, whenever we see a person walking down the street, we most likely associate them with something. Even if you don't know the person personally, you probably judge them unconsciously or consciously about something because you're basing it off of other things you've seen or been taught in your lifetime. In light of the Black Lives Matter movement, we've all been exposed to the brutal inequalities and, well, biases in our justice system, systematic racism, police brutality. These terms are examples of biases and stereotypes. Institutional racism, also known as systemic racism, is a form of racism which is embedded as normal practice within society or an organization. It can lead to issues such as discrimination in criminal justice, employment, housing, healthcare, political power and education, among other issues. Stereotypes play a role in our everyday lives. Think about it for a moment and imagine all of the conversations you've missed out on because you've assumed things but others. Now, it's not always your fault because some of these things just happen naturally. When you see a person of a specific skin color, you might associate them with something that you've been taught, whether through the media or your parents or your friends, etc. Racial stereotypes, gender stereotypes, beauty stereotypes, you name it. You're most likely to associate every person you meet with at least one of these stereotypes. Implicit or unconscious bias refers to the attitudes or stereotypes that affect our understanding, actions, and decisions in an unconscious manner. Implicit stereotypes are shaped by experience and based on learned associations between particular qualities and social categories, including race and or gender. I took this implicit bias test by Harvard University, and I was honestly not too surprised to see my results because it said I had an equal preference for both light-skinned and dark-skinned people, which I was honestly pretty proud about. Growing up as a child of immigrants from South India with family all over the world, I've met all kinds of people with different backgrounds, skin colors, ideologies, beliefs, etc. And I've learned to appreciate everyone's unique identities regardless of the beliefs society has instilled in us. So I was actually pretty curious as to how they came about the test results. So I looked um, more into the test and their methods of measuring results. 
The Implicit Association Test, which is the formal name of it, IAT, measures the strength of associations between concepts, example, black people and gay people, and evaluations, examples, good, bad, or stereotypes, examples like athletic, clumsy. The main idea is that making a response is easier when closely related items share the same response key. So in the specific test I took about biases towards people with a certain skin color involved pairing, where they assigned good or bad to either light-skinned people and dark-skinned people, and then they switch it up after. So for example, say you were assigned to white people and bad, and then black people and good. They would switch these terms up after. Basically, if they showed a picture of either a black person or something good, you were supposed to match it with a sign on the top that said black people and good. If this test showed a picture of either a white person or something bad, you were supposed to match it with a sign in the other corner that said white people and bad. Then they repeated the process over, but switched the terms. So it would be white people and good, and then black people and bad. The way they came about their results was based off of how many incorrect times you matched it and how fast you are matching it. Implicit bias occurs because the brain's natural tendency to look for patterns and associations in the world. Social cognition, or our ability to store, process, and apply information about people in social situations, is dependent on this ability to form associations about the world. Implicit bias also affects how people act with the people of another race. So in spite of their conscious feelings, for example, white people with high levels of implicit racial bias show less warmth and welcoming behavior towards black people. They will sit further away and their facial expressions will be cold and withdrawn. Implicit biases don't necessarily align with our own beliefs and values. So while most people would not describe themselves as racist, their implicit biases contradict this belief. Implicit biases are learned and honestly, can be out of our control. The good news is that these biases are completely susceptible to change. Implicit biases develop at early ages, starting as early as age six, and are affected by our environment, our culture, our personal experiences, the media, etc. It takes patience, effort, and practice to unlearn these implicit biases. However, People rarely publicly recognize the implicit biases they possess in fear of their responses being socially undesirable. Therefore, they tend to report what they think they should say. But it's vital to acknowledge the hidden biases we possess, because if we keep these biases unrecognized, positive growth will never occur. Now let's talk a little bit about racial bias and examples of it in our everyday lives. In the United States, black people are three times as likely to be killed by the police than white people. Some criminal justice reform groups have argued that diversifying police forces might close this gap. But Jennifer Kobina, a professor of criminal justice at Michigan State University, has found that it probably doesn't. The police force in Baltimore, Maryland, for example, is mostly made up of officers of color, 
but the department was still found in 2016 to have engaged in a pattern of unconstitutional racially biased policing. The jury on whether implicit bias training works is also still out. As Jack Glazer, a Berkeley psychologist who researches racial stereotyping, told Scientific American, you can raise people's awareness about the possibility that implicit bias exists and affects them, but that's not the same thing as stopping it from influencing their judgments. The reality of America's history has been on stark display in recent weeks. From the terrible killings of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, to the countless untold acts of racism that take place every single day across America, these are the issues that are defining the moment, just as our response will define who we are and will be in the 21st century and beyond. Truly, the very nature of our national soul is at stake, and we all have a deep responsibility to be a part of the solution. However, the Black Lives Matter movement isn't the only form of racial bias plaguing our society. Let's look at the indigenous and aboriginal people specifically living in Canada. For members of the aboriginal community, the experience of racial profiling has many significant differences from that of any other racialized community. Aboriginal people have their origins in North America. They have no other home. Many of the issues they face result from centuries of colonialism, much of which continues into the present. As a result, all too frequently, the impact of racial profiling further blocks them from full participation in the many benefits of Canada and Ontario. Furthermore, Aboriginal people find themselves at an intersection of racial, cultural, economic, educational, and social disadvantage. And did you know how fast the coronavirus is spreading in Indigenous communities? Indigenous people are especially vulnerable to COVID-19. The majority live on reservations and lack internet access to get information about the disease. And when they fall ill, they most likely lack access to proper health care and hospitals, as the majority of them live on reservations. I wish that we could put an end to racial profiling, racial injustices, and just in general, where people's implicit biases negatively affect their decisions and just cause harm. But there's only so much we can do to change the views and perspectives of other people. However, we can always educate ourselves and do our part in contributing to racial equality and justice for those who deserve it. I'm going to go over a few resources you can utilize to make an impact specifically in regards to the Black Lives Matter movement. Please feel free to pause this episode when you need to and write these down. For victim memorial funds, you can donate to the George Floyd Memorial Fund, the Gianna Floyd Memorial Fund, the Justice for Breonna Taylor Memorial Fund, the I Run with Maud Memorial Fund, and the Elijah McLean Memorial Fund. These are just a few examples, and there are many more you can donate to. For bail funds, you could donate to National Bailout, Atlanta Solidarity Fund, Chicago Community Bond Fund, Philadelphia Bail Fund, The Bail Project, and the Louisville Community Bail Fund.
again, these are just a few bail funds you can donate to. There are a lot more you can donate to. For mega funds, you can donate to Act Blue Bail Funds, Act Blue Racism and Police Brutality Funds, and Act Blue Bail Mutual Aid and Racial Justice Organization Funds. Mega funds are single donations that will be split between multiple organizations with the ability to adjust what goes where. For community restoration organizations and funds, where donations will go towards rebuilding businesses in other parts of Black communities where protests have occurred and or have been hit particularly hard by the coronavirus pandemic, you can donate to the Navajo Water Project, the Lake Street Council in Minneapolis, Minnesota, Mutual Aid, My Block, My Hood, My City in Chicago, Illinois, and Rebuilding Oakland Black Businesses Fund from Oakland, California. For community enrichment organizations, where the donations will go toward arts, technical, or other programs for Black and Brown people, you can donate to Black Table Arts, Embrace Race, Black and Brown Founders, African American Cultural Heritage Action Fund, the Black Feminist Project, and SoGal, and Boom Concepts. Again, these are just a few organizations you can donate to. There are plenty more. For community organizations serving disabled by POC, where donations will go towards medical aid, financial aid, educational programs, and other services for disabled Black, Indigenous people of color, you can donate to Ramp Your Voice with Melissa, Autistic People of Color Fund, Sins Invalid, the Harriet Tubman Collective, Disability Justice Culture Club, and Helping Educate to Advance the Rights of the Deaf Communities. For police reform organizations, where donations will go towards legislative efforts to overturn systematically racist policies at either national, state, or local levels, you can donate to the Advancement Project, the Anti-Racism Fund, the Color of Change Education Fund, the American Civil Liberties Union, the Black Lives Matter Global Network, the Moms Demand Action, where every donation will be matched dollar for dollar by every town, Mom Demands Action's parent organization. Take Action Chapel Hill, Austin Justice Coalition in Austin, Texas, the Refugee Dream Center, and the Alliance to Mobilize Our Resistance in Rhode Island. For incarceration reform actions and organizations, donations that will go towards prison reform efforts to stop excessive punishment, mass incarceration, incarceration in general, and the generation um, creation of new jails and prisons, you can donate to No New Jails NYC, Equal Justice Initiative, Prison Book Program, Dream Defenders, and Release Aging People in Prison. Again, these are just a few different resources where you can donate and support the Black Lives Matter movement, but there are several more. These are just some of the more well-known ones that a lot of people have been donating to and have really been creating a lot of change. However, there are a lot more organizations that are doing the same thing, and I do recommend you doing research and educating yourself on BIPOC history, as well as educating yourself on different resources you can donate to. In the end, um, and I'm going to reiterate this again, we can only do so much to change the views of other people who believe in morally wrong things that go against 
movements like the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, and even though a lot of us have taken it upon ourselves to educate others and advocate for change in other people's views, in the end, it's up to them, those people, if they really want to change. And we can only do so much about it. So I think the best way we can all work together to make change is start by educating ourselves if we haven't done so already, learning about resources, the BIPOC history, um, and why it's so important to amplify marginalized voices around the world. Um, because I think once we're able to do that, we can all really stand in solidarity behind movements like the Black Lives Matter movement and really amplify the voices of, in this example, Black people. Um, because, again, I really wish we could put an end to issues like police brutality, racial profiling, and racial bias getting in the way of things like quality education. Um, we're just really walking down the street. I just, I just wish that people could really understand the impact of their actions and their words. And I hope that if we all can work together and stand in solidarity behind these movements, we can really help people understand why these movements are so important and why it's so important for everyone to have equal rights. Because it's extremely unjust to treat someone differently because of something like their skin color. So with that being said, um, thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode on Gen Rise Media's podcast. I know today's episode was a little longer than usual, um, but this issue is just so important. And I really just really wanted to make an episode about this. I hope you guys gained information about, you know, what is implicit bias? Um, what are some ways you can stop implicit bias? How do you know if you have implicit biases or not? Um, and different resources you can use to contribute to movements like the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, I really hope you all gained something. Uh, from this podcast episode and I will see you guys very soon because I'll be recording another episode shortly Um, so have a great week and I'll talk to you guys soon